they were going to be speaking about growing your business, about digging it out of the dirt if you're a startup and you have no clue what to do with it. If you're overwhelmed, but you need somebody to help you with strategy, we're having the growth architect, Beate Chalette, here. I think I didn't pronounce the family name correctly. Chalette. 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 No, no, you, you did pronounce it absolutely correctly. Yes, it, it, has, it has emerged in the years since. <laughs> Welcome, Beate. Good to have you. Thank you so much, Serena, for having me on your show. Beate, you have an interesting story. I know that most people start with this story. How did you manage to get out of debt? Is this something you want to begin with? Or what is your inspiration for I think that, you know, we can jump in any way you want, Zarina. I, I, I don't have a preference one way or another. I think that a lot of times it's a great way to talk about how do you overcome adversity and how do you dig yourself out of a lot of debt, $135,000 in debt. And what is it that you have to, what are the attributes you must possess and what's the mental attitude? And I know you talk a lot about mindset and attitude as well. What, like, how do you, how do you get in trouble and how do you get yourself out of trouble? And the story is that I had um, immigrated from Germany to Los Angeles and I was a single mom. My ex-husband was an alcoholic and a pathological liar. And I found this out a little bit too late. And then I'm ha I'm a single mom suddenly with a six-month-old daughter. And now all these disasters just keep on coming. Fires, floods, riots, earthquakes. It was absolutely ridiculous. And then um, as I am going through this, as I'm going through this disaster after disaster, and we and these are like really, really big things, you know, September 11th and 24 hours, my business was taken down by the planes that took down the towers because nobody would come from Germany and go to Los Angeles and let me produce their photo shoots. I mean, nobody would do that. And so I find myself deep in debt, completely frustrated. I couldn't believe why. Every time I, I felt I turned a corner, there was somebody else with a big cast iron frying pan hitting me over the head. You know, it's just like, and it wasn't like little things. And then I go to Germany and my father has a stroke, but my father didn't have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer. And so my dad dies in, a, in, in only like six weeks. And so now I lost my best friend. And while we're at the funeral, we get a phone call from my office in Los Angeles, we've been served a notice. So now I'm also losing the house. And so as, I, as I'm standing there, there is this moment where I did not really know what else to do. And I was really angry. And I fell to my knees and I raised my fist against God. And I said, you know, dude, if you have a, a plan here, this would be a really good time to fill me in because I am out of, out of options. I'm out of moves. I've no money. My best friend's dead. I um, have to figure out where am I going to live? I don't even know how I'm going to pay for this funeral. And, and, I, and, and then I just surrendered. I let go. I let God. And I you know, had to come back, figure out my bankruptcy attorney to see how I was going to somehow manage to get rid of the dead and then figure out what my next move was going to be. And then I get a letter from the White House and in my absolute desperation, Serena, I had written a letter to the president of the United States. So, so people's like, you did what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. It was it was like pure desperation because my mother-in-law just 
who kept nagging me about this, says, you need to write the president of the United States. He's your president after all. If anybody can help you, it's a president of the United States. And you just go like, yeah, 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 yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Keep talking. But I did write but the letters. It was Bush, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was George W. Bush. Yeah. And and at that at that time, Serena, I was like, you know, I just got to have to write this letter just so I don't have to have another conversation with her about it anymore. I come back, I get a letter from the White House and it says the president sends you his best wishes. Sure. Of course, the president never saw this letter, but it put me in touch with a small business administration. And because it was a letter from the White House, I was put in touch with a top dog at the at the uh, at the office. They helped me to restructure my debt, freed up my line of credit. Three months later, I'm break even. 18 months later, I'm a world leader in my category. Next thing I know, a Bill Gates company comes and knocks on my door and says, can you tell us how to do it? And I said, absolutely not. You want it, you buy it. They say, how much do you want? I say millions. They say, fine. And that's how it all turned. Wow. What a story. What kind of a business <laughs> was it? It was a stock photography business. I was doing uh, architecture, interior, and celebrity at home licensing. Uh-huh. I don't really know what that is, but... No, and like when you buy a magazine... Uh-huh. Or you go to the hairdresser or you get your nails done and you flip through the magazines and then you see Madonna's house or you see Francis Ford Coppola's retreat on an island. We would be the ones who took those photos. Or you go into your home improvement store. You want to pick a color for your house. And there's all these pictures of these houses with the red roof and the blue door. We would be supplying those kinds of images. Mm-hmm. Beata, what do, you, what do you attribute this to? Was it like a because of the sudden hope that you got because of the letter or was it a reawakening of something that you anyhow had in you? What was it that, that helped you that propelled think, you forward? Yeah. You know, knowing what I know now, and if we look at the spiritual laws that rule the universe, it's kind of like a textbook case because it's about making the decision first. So I made the decision that I needed to have a business after all that happened to me that was making money while I wasn't there. So I, I had made the decision that I was going to build an equity business. I also had made the decision that I never wanted to be thrown out of a house ever again. So I wanted to buy my next one. That was a decision that I made. I made the decision that I wanted to potentially sell my business. And I was going to set it up with the standard operational procedures and everything so I could sell it. So these were decisions that I made. And then I acted as if I, 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 I knew what I was doing, which between you and me, frankly, I, I really didn't. But I, I, you know, I stumbled through the dark. You know, there was this one moment, just to give you an idea, Zarina, on, on, on how audacious some of these things were that I, I came up with. So I wanted to get into a licensing agreement with the largest provider in the world, which was Getty Images and still is the largest provider of images in the world. And they were, you know, doing distribution deals for pretty much every every stock syndication in the world. And I mean, we're talking millions and millions and millions of images in each deal. So I couldn't get a meeting. I couldn't get a meeting. So for years, I tried to get this meeting. Finally, I got my meeting. I'm going to... Uh, fly to Seattle. I'm sitting in this room with all these guys in this fabulous conference room in this great location. And on the other side of the table, it's just me, Zarina. And they say to us, well, well, we, we sure do like your collection. So how many images can you give us? And what they were expecting is a number that's like 5 million or 4 million, or at the very least, like a million images. And I said, 
462. <laughs> <laughs> they looked exactly like you're looking right now. They had this slightly amused <laughs> look where they didn't know if I was I was joking or if I was or if I was just being ridiculous. And then they, you know, ever so gently said, well, you know, this is really kind of not the caliber of deal that we typically get involved with, with. And I said, wait, not so fast. If you are looking for an agency that is just like bombarding you with lousy, miserable images so you can fill your database, I said, I don't think we are a fit. But you have to remember that my photographers are the A-listers. They photograph Madonna's house, Julian Moore's house, Simon Baker's house, Seal's house. Uh, they 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 do all the A-listers. They work with the A-list architects and interior designers. That they don't need to go on a shoot and take hundreds of images. I say, they take one. Mm-hmm. I said, so if you want that one, I said, then I'm the right place. If you prefer to have a mediocre photographer who gives you hundreds that aren't even close to that one that I'm giving you, I said, go ahead. And so I got the agreement. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then that was what was the first deal that gave me the cash flow, so I could I could build the business. Mm-hmm. How did you How did you dare to approach them, or how How did you get your foot in the door? Um, I have, you know, and I write about this in my book, Happy Woman, Happy World. So I have a rule that I invented, and it's called the Cinderella Rule for working women. And I found that when you go to conferences that after the conference, all the men go to the hotel bar, all of them. They go to every happy hour. They go to all the hotel bars. Women don't. And the women don't like to go unless they're in their team group. And then they typically go early. It's because they have to make phone calls to their kids. They uh, don't like men getting drunk, which happens a lot on conferences at the hotel bar. And so I figured, well, if that's where everybody is, that's where I need to go. And so the Cinderella rule goes like this. You always dress up for the bar. Three drink maximum. In bed before midnight. And you walk to your room alone. And so what happened over time is that men don't have a three drink rule. And they don't have a walk to your room alone midnight rule either. Um, they just... You know, they're just there to blow off some steam. So I would hear things and I kept my mouth shut. I said nothing about what I heard. When they stumbled in, hung over the next morning, I said nothing. If they said, well, I hope I was, I said, I don't remember anything. I said, everything's good. Well, suddenly you were gone. I said, well, you know, I got tired. So I just went to bed. So I made sure that being around me was very safe and fun. And so that's how I built the relationships is that they felt they could trust me and that I was a good person. And that's how I got my meetings because wow. I did my, I, I, I got my meetings at the bar at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where generally business is done, isn't it? Uh, yeah. After or hours. on the golf course or, mm-hmm. uh, or, or somewhere else, because you have to remember that you need to, when, when you, when you enter the conversation in the mind of somebody who is really stressed out, or let's say this person that you're trying to speak to had a didn't sleep well, or they had a fight with their partner the night before, 
the kid just yelled at them in the morning, I hate you. And now they go to the office and you're the first call that they get. Now imagine how difficult that is to overcome that. And you don't know what that story is. So the person may just be super grumpy and you just don't know what happened. It has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. So if you can remove the barriers to relationship building in an environment where people generally are relaxed, because if you're at the bar, you don't expect somebody to sell you. You're at the bar because you want to have a couple of cocktails. You want to have maybe uh, a couple of bites before you go to dinner. But that is the end of the day. Your brain tells you you can be relaxed now. That's a much better sell, a much better opportunity than it is when somebody's like, oh God, here's the phone again. I bet it's another salesperson. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I had a classmate of mine who um, who was a consultant at, a, I think, top four consulting, the, the big four, one of the big fours. Yeah. He said, uh, that was before we did an MBA. And, and he said, I am tired of uh, of drinking. I've just had enough of drinking every single day because that's the industry. You're supposed to be networking while drinking. And some people, even men, it, it's not really about uh, relaxing sometimes. I, I guess it's different when you're at a conference, but if you're in your daily environment and you're going out with your colleagues, you and you want to network, you'd have to drink every day. <laughs> well, I think that's really changing because this generation now is not as yeah. much into alcohol as I, I want to say the boomers and X were. That mm -hmm. was just part of what we assimilated with. Yeah. I think this generation is a lot uh, different. They, they're just as fine having a green juice or you know, some yogurt or whatever that is. So I, I think that's that's definitely changing and the work from home has changed. So people are not automatically in the office all the time. So they don't, they're not together to go to go somewhere after work because four people are working from home. I think it's a personal preference, but I will be honest with you, Zarina, unless you're around people on this kind of relaxed setting, it's going to take you a lot longer to build relationships because then it's just transactional. Mm -hmm. And if it's just transactional, you just never, you just never have that trusted advisor uh, feeling. It just takes longer to do, in my opinion. Yeah. This reminds me of one of the first things that I learned about the interactions of um, Austrians and Russians when I moved to Austria. And it was um, about their negotiation. I can't remember. I think it was the first or the second world war. And the way they did it was always uh, drinking. So they would never negotiate without drinking. Always negotiate over the table. Yeah. That is the rumor I have that unless you bring a bottle of vodka to a Russian negotiation, uh, nobody will take you seriously. <laughs> that's just that's just that's just part of the game. And I, you know, and it, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because like sense, not in the sense it makes sense to drink. That's not what I'm saying, but it makes sense. If I want to gain an edge over my competitor and I know what I want, if I start weakening my my the other party by getting them drunk, by getting them loose, by getting them to relax, to be off their game, I can have an edge because I know what I'm doing. The other person that's on the other side of the negotiation table may have sort of the same thing. So it's a it's a dance. And you are absolutely right. Every country has a different dance with with it. There is we, we spoke to somebody in Peru and 
where they, when they negotiate, they literally sit around the fire with a shaman. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of ceremony before you can even go in the negotiations. And women aren't like really even allowed in that circle, which is very difficult if you're a woman negotiating in Peru. Mm-hmm. So so there's been some adjustments. So you have to have a, a man with you when you do a negotiation. So you have to learn what the rules of negotiation are in the category, the industry, or the country that you're in to be successful. Yeah. So what business are you in right now? You sold the business to Bill Gates, this this same business that you that you were negotiating with Getty Images for? Yes, I was, yes. Yeah, so today I'm a business consultant and I work as a strategic advisor. I work with visionaries and thought leaders and help them to grow their authority and scale their impact. And what that means, I am the person that Uh, works with people when they have two particular problems. They either want to grow their business and they need a strategy to do that or a system or they have grown rapidly and now they want to get their freedom back and they need strategies and systems to do so. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you do this? Do you have like a blueprint, a system? Yes. So I have designed something that I call the Five Star Success Blueprint and it allows me to diagnose within 30 to 45 minutes where a business is stuck, what their number one growth blocker is, and then help them to identify the pieces that they already have, the pieces that are missing, so that we can then align all those puzzle pieces and get there in the shortest amount of time. Mm-hmm. When it comes to growth, what is the, on average, I mean, I, I know it's hard to generalize, but what is the what do the majority of the company see as a showstopper that are trying to grow? What is the major roadblock? The major roadblock is that people don't have a system. And what I mean is we do something that's called a signature growth system. So if you go out, especially in professional services, and you say, I'm a consultant, I'm a coach, I am an expert, I'm uh, I'm a professional services provider. Well, welcome to the club. We just had an influx of people that were uh, quitting their jobs. So you have another 2 million service providers. I just saw an internet marketer. Uh, He's doing a high performance coach certification in only five days. So imagine you've never been a consultant. You've never been a coach. You've never been in professional services. You've been an employee. You take a five-day course. You get a certification. Now you can call yourself a high performance coach. And so now these people are pushing up against everybody else who's already in the market. So if that's you, I would be really concerned right now. So you have to learn how to set yourself apart. And the best way to set yourself apart is by creating a system. So we have our five-star success blueprint. My tag is the growth architect. I'm a consultant, but I'm not. I'm a strategic growth architect. I help people to architect their growth. Okay, well, that's different. Well, I have a proprietary system. I have the five star success blueprint. Oh, that's different. So I can, I can, I can have, I have a framework where I can help people guide and diagnose. What happens most of the time is that companies grow because of the founder or the owner, because he's brilliant or she's brilliant. They have great ideas. And then they cannot, they cannot take it out of the head because it's like this, well, 
I can't even explain what I do, but uh, I'll just talk to people and then I'll just ask them a couple questions and then they tell me and then I immediately know how to do this. Well, you can't scale that. That's not a recipe for growth. That's a that's a solopreneur idea. So if you want to step out of that, you need to figure out what's the system? What's the system called? Is there a, a symbol for the system? What are the different entry points in the system? How do I diagnose it? What's my process for that? What's the transformation pro uh, promise for each one of these steps? So in the five-star success blueprint, just to explain that a little bit better. So there's, there's five steps to it. So you are falling on one of five steps. That's very, very simple for you to understand. So you know that in order for you to grow your business, if you, if you haven't figured out your first then how can the other ones work? So we know we need to take care of the first one. And unless you have a signature growth system and that we've done this for large companies, we've done this for small companies, for medium-sized companies, if you don't have the differentiation factor and the language that sets you apart, that says you have a proprietary system, you sound like everybody else. To me, this is the largest issue that I, I see. And when we change that, people walk out of the mastermind that we do and they close jobs while they're in the program because they finally can talk about what they do. Mm -hmm. So you have a masterclass. It's a it's a group coaching uh, model. It's not a one on one. Or how do you work with people? It, it depends. So we we do we do a strategic uh, strategic VIP days. So we do work with people one on one. Uh, specifically, if it's a if it's a couple people, if it's a team where the team needs to work together and put put it out. We do have a mastermind that's called the Signature Growth Mastermind that we run uh, again in the fall. Uh, we run in the fall and the spring e each year, and we help people to really understand how can they take everything that's in their head and pull it out and take all these pieces because you could do this, you could do that. You know, like like you, for example, you do mindset, you do business growth. So you do all kinds of different things. So somebody comes to you and may say, well, are you a mindset coach or are you a business coach? And then you'll say, well, it depends. You can't be a good business coach unless you have the mindset. Yeah, but isn't that, isn't that like in their mind that just doesn't compute? So what we would do is we would put the umbrella over it and we'll give you a tag. And then we have a transformation promise of everything. And then we say, well, this is the portion where you do the strategy. This is the portion where you have to do the mindset. This is the portion where you have to do whatever the, the ceremonies and the, you know, and the, and the things that you do to stay, you just to keep staying in that mindset. And uh, here's the action item. So we, we would have to organize it in such a way. And that to me, when you have that, I mean, we've seen our clients close we had one person a week later, she closed a $50,000 job. The other one closed in 24 hours, a $100,000 job. And it's all about how can you articulate what you do so somebody else understands the value that that brings to them. Mm -hmm. Sounds amazing. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's probably my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. So the first step is actually to articulate. Is this the first step of the blueprint to articulate your offer? Uh, the uh, the offer actually is the second step. The first uh, the first step is the idea, mm -hmm. like what is it? What is it? Who are you? Who are you serving? What are we solving for our clients? 
What problems are they having? And why are you the right person to solve that? That's the first one. And then when you have that, that's when you go to the offer. And the offer then is, what do we need to create to help that person with that problem or the problems that we've just identified? Then we go to building the systems and we say, well, now that we know who we're serving, what we're selling, what do we what do we need to build so we can automate and we can have these systems on how to sell our stuff consistently, lead generation, sales conversion, uh, project management, handoffs, who is doing what is then the fourth piece. That's when we're building the team. Because then we know who do we need to operate the systems. And then, then finally, it can it comes to you as the leader, as the fifth step in the Five Star Success Blueprint, because then who do you need to be to run the team that manages the systems, that handles the offers, that solves your client's problems? Mm-hmm. And how long does this whole process take? Um, most people already have quite a few pieces in place. So I would say if somebody would come to me and say, I have... um I'm very serious about this. I'm making some money, but I really want to quadruple my numbers. I would say it's going to take somewhere between six months to a year just to because you have to build the systems too. Uh, but if somebody says, I I need to build my signature growth system so I can make more sales, we do it in eight weeks. I mean, that's all it takes. It's not that complicated. You just have to follow the process. Mm-hmm. So bad. And now that you've <clears throat> created this amazing profitable system and you know how to replicate your success. What What is next? What excites you in your personal life or work? Where do you want to go next? I think for me, um, my daughter is having a baby. Oh. And so I am, <laughs> yeah, in, in, in a couple of weeks, actually. So we're waiting for the arrival of the little one. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I'm way too young to do that, but I'm actually really excited about it. And I think for me, it is now about stepping into this next part of my life where I want to figure out the portion of, you know, the the mindset piece, I think that is what people misunderstand so often. It's a lifelong practice. It's not a one-time thing. So when you stay on it and you you have to really figure out how to change your habits. So my my goal has always been, I'm here to share information I'm my impact is measured by the impact I help other people make. So only if I help other people make an impact, do I make my impact. And that's by design because I understand that that's my role now is to accelerate other people's ideas. I have good ideas, but my ideas are not as good as they used to be. But I do understand how to build systems and processes and strategies. So so when somebody comes with an idea, you know, I can help them to to move that forward and you know just finding that ever elusive work life balance to say now that i have a grandchild how much how much time do i want to work how much time do i want to spend with the child how much where, where's my role right now so it's 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 always it's always changing and we just never really get there it's it's a constant evolution in life of what's the next step but i'm still working i love working i love helping people we are actually making a huge push right now to get this message out to more people because I think in the market conditions right now with the looming recession, all the bad negative energy and people like being so depressed about everything, it's like, just stop it. Just stop it. You know, just get to work already. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm just wondering, I, I know how people think, you know, and, and you said it already, the market is flooded with coaches, with consultants, and it will eventually be flooded with high ticket consultants as well. <laughs> so even this part, how do you, and who's going to pay them if, if there's looming, a looming recession? Well, you can't think about it that way. You have to think about it from the perspective that if you follow the five-star success blueprint and you've tested that what you're bringing to people is hits the target. So do I believe, Zarina, that if I go out in the market now with uh, an amplified message and say, are you worried about these other 2 million consultants that just entered the market to take the little business that's available right now away from you? Everybody should raise their hand and, and says, yes, I should. If somebody's not worried about this right now, they're definitely not my client. But if somebody says, you know, I'm seeing this, the price erosion has began. This guy used to work at Amazon and now suddenly he's a, he's a business consultant. The person's never even had a business on their own. They, you know, and, and, you know, my rate is $500 or 500 euros an hour and he's doing it for 60 just, you know, and he's excited because finally paying him somebody is paying him something for doing this. If you don't worry about that, then you're going to have a real problem with business. So our message is very straight up. It's like, if you're concerned about this and you haven't figured out your differentiation factor and you're not doubling down on the message and getting in front of your clients or the people you already contacted or your list and make sure that they have top of mind awareness of you, you're going to lose. And that's the quality of the message of the differentiation message of the unapologetic value proposition, how we call it, is, is your client going to see that and said, that makes sense. But if it sounds like everybody else, then you go for the lowest cost provider. If you have a housekeeper and the housekeeper says, I'm cleaning your house for 20 euros or $20 an hour, and the other one says, I'm cleaning it for 50 an hour. Then you say, well, why would I pay you 50 if I can't have it for 25? And if they don't tell you why, you go, it's no point in me paying you 50. It's completely overpriced because the other guy offers me 25. Now, if the one with the 50 says, well, all of our people that come to your house are background check. We have insurance. If we break something, we, we will replace it. We will... Um, we have a white glove service. We guarantee our work. If we leave and you see something that's not cleaned, we send somebody back for free. We also have people that we can give you if we have if you have a party service. So if you want to entertain, we can we can help you with staffing. We do your laundry. Not just do we do your laundry. We also understand that the delicates need to be hung up and can't be going in the dryer. And then we fold everything and we put everything and we do. You know, so now suddenly you have a value proposition and you go, oh my God, if I pay them only $50 an hour, they're saving me, what, 10 hours of my time at my rate at $1,000 an hour? That's a lot of money I'm saving. So I'm I'm basically getting this cheap. So that's the value proposition you have to be very clear about is if if the price is the entire consideration that's a problem. It's never the price. It's always the value. It's what people value. Yeah. Bethel, where can people find you? And uh, do you have like a taster offer that people can 
get a glimpse or read yes. something that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. So you can find me everyone social media under Beate Chalet or Growth Architect and uh, DM me or check us out on LinkedIn. And if you want to figure out what your number one business growth blocker is, go to growthblockerquiz.com and fill that out. And in like two minutes, that quiz will tell you what your number one business growth blocker is. If you want to get started with a five-star success blueprint, go ahead to airtightavatar.com. We have a, 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 a low, very, very, like it's a price of a coffee, it's like $7 to do the airtight avatar that will help you and take you step-by-step through how to create an airtight avatar the customer profile, the very first step. So you know what this person needs and we've, we've engineered it. So it's multiple choice. You go in with a pen, you mark it up so that you can really see what this person thinks and feels and experiences that you're selling to. And then once you have that, you want to go back to your offer and say, is the offer I'm making directed to the problems of this person? And everybody who has not done this in the last six months has to do this now because things have changed significantly in the minds of people in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Can you repeat the name of the um, the URL again of this website? Yes. So it's airtightavatar.com and the quizzes at growthblockerquiz.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you. Well, this has been a very enlightening conversation. It- and also, you know, the beginning was inspiring, was inspiring. <laughs> you have a very interesting story. Well, thank you so much, Serena. And and I would like to just give you a shout out. So for all of you listening, doing a podcast is a labor of love. So please do Serena a favor, wherever you pick up the podcast, give her a five-star review, write her a little comment with maybe one takeaway from this interview and share it with one other person. Oh, thank you so much for the kind words, Beate. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging, and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.